This is Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant to you at the Motor City Comic Con. Just wanted to say, uh, keep on listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Yes, uh, this is Treks in Sci-Fi, your Star Trek and Sci-Fi podcast for this week. Today is actually Saturday, uh, July 28th, but the podcast will go out on July 29th, 2007. Recording just a little bit early because I be... I be... <laughs> I will be flying off to Taiwan tomorrow. We'll talk about more of that in a minute. I'm going to cover a uh, classic TOS Star Trek episode this week called By Any Other Name, which I think is a really good episode, and uh, it's it's a favorite of mine, like many from the original series are, and I thought it was time we talked about that one. Got a little report from Kenny in California, who's out at the San Diego Comic Con. So without any further ado, let's get going. Captain's log. No star date. <laughs> All right, TV boy. If you don't get him to Vulcan within a week, eight days, it's the outside, he'll die. It is Captain James T. Kirk. Elborn. What? I can't change the laws of physics. Your bravery was tested, and you did not frighten. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. They say there's no devil, Jim. But there is a... Right out of hell, I saw it! Speed dropping close to sublight. Hold your fire, Mr. Jago. Hiya, Jimmy boy. Hey, I've taken care of everything. Now all y'all gotta do is just relax. Doctor's orders. Well, welcome to the show again, everyone. This is Rico, your host for Treks in Sci-Fi. Just thought I'd play a little bit of a a melody of Star Trek clips from the original series there to kind of celebrate some of the announcements coming out of Comic-Con about the next Star Trek movie, which will be premiering on Christmas Day, uh, December 25th, 2008. So about a year and a half away, approximately. Uh, The big news out of Comic-Con, of course, uh, and we'll get right into the news because I want to keep this brief. Uh, I'm going to cover by any other name the original series episode in full today. The big news is Zachary Quinto, who plays, of course, the evil Siler on Heroes, has been named by J.J. Abrams and the other production people on the next Star Trek movie as playing the young Spock in the movie. And, of course, uh, Leonard Nimoy was also at this uh, Paramount and uh, Star Trek panel at Comic-Con as well, and he will be playing Spock, I believe. uh, You know, the the logical, uh, oh, there you go. A logical idea is that uh, Spock will be uh, sort of flashing back, or Nimoy will be playing the older Spock, and Quinto, uh, Siler, whatever, Zachary will be playing the young Spock. So I think this is pretty good news. Uh, I think he definitely looks the part, uh, and I think it will be a good move for him. I I, uh, think they've uh, done pretty well on that. I kind of still wish they had gone with an unknown, but I think they made a good choice. If they were going to go with somebody who's kind of hot right now, that's definitely... uh, somebody and we'll bring in the heroes fans at least to see the movie so some other uh tidbits coming out uh looks like uh, they are still trying to look for their uh actor to play a young kirk and the they are still trying to work william shatner into the film as well so that's about it on the movie that as much as they announced they didn't really announce much there was a poster kind of a retro looking poster with just the word star trek and a starfield kind of uh by it but um 
So that's out of the Comic-Con this weekend. I've got a little report here from Kenny. He did it in a few parts. I'm going to play uh, a piece of it here and probably the rest of it towards the end of the show. So here is some of Kenny, who is out at Comic-Con right now. Kenny from the forums. Take it away. Hey, Rico. It's Kenny from California, and I'm live in San Diego at the International Comic-Con Convention. Uh, It is day two. It's Friday. Um, It's crazy down here. There are tons and tons of people. Um, uh, It it feels like, I mean, there has to be over 100,000 people already. Um, uh, Yesterday was Thursday. That was the first day. Uh, I didn't manage, I unfortunately was stuck in traffic. It took me a lot longer to get down here than I expected, so I wasn't able to make it to the Paramount picture uh, panel like I had hoped and I didn't hear the information about Spock. Um, but another former uh, forum uh, member did make it, Locutus, on, on the board. He made it, and uh, we hooked up over here, and he told me what happened. Um, the, as I'm sure everyone knows now, they uh, announced the younger Spock is going to be uh, Zachary Quintos, who's from Heroes. He plays Siler. Um, and then actually a huge surprise, and I was so bummed that I missed it, that Leonard Nimoy actually showed up. Um, he said several times that the script was excellent, and uh, he was very happy to be part of this movie. And I think we all know that if he says something's good, then it must be really good. Um, that was about it for the news for Star Trek, which was kind of disappointing because they kept saying they were going to have this big announcement. And I guess, you know, the announcing of one of the main characters was, was cool, and it kind of gives us the idea that it is going to be set in the past during the TOS era. Um, the other big announcement, uh, they had uh, via satellite, Steven Spielberg and uh, Harrison Ford. And uh, even though they didn't give the title for the fourth indie movie, they did talk about it a little bit. Um, and they did confirm that Karen Black will be back. So I think everyone's suspicion that she's the mother of uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf uh, and he's Indy's son uh, may be true. So... Uh, Little tidbits there. I did manage to make the Lost panel, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, they gave a little bit, you know, here and there. Um, they've, they've been criticized before for giving too much information, which I don't think that's ever possible. But uh, the big announcement was that uh, Michael uh, it was coming back to the island. as a, uh, And he was actually coming back as a series regular, so he wasn't going to just make a cameo or in a vision or anything like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, didn't mention Walt. Uh, somebody asked about would uh, Jack and Claire, you know, because they're half brother sister, would they ever find out? And uh, Damon Lindelof just nodded his head. So uh, I'm sure they're going to find out uh, what's going on there. Um, they're still promising us uh, a Libby uh, flashback to flush out her character more. They said definitely this season or next season. Um, they're very excited about three seasons. Now that they have a, an end in sight, they're actually writing the stories. Um, it's just going to make it a lot easier. They also um, mentioned that they're going to continue to do flash forward. Uh, you know, I know people have said that maybe you know the present. The present flash forwards will be the you know the the continuing storyline, and then the flashback will be to the island. They said no. They said stories will contain flashbacks, flash forwards, 
Maximum, The Island. Um, they didn't really say much about who were out on the tanker, um, who, you know, who did Jack talk to at the end of the finale. Um, and uh, he, they did say that Jack and, and Kate, the last scene from the flash forward was not the, the end of the, the show, you know. They said the, the show wasn't about them getting off the island. So um, maybe, you know, the Flash Swords will have more of them off the island, um, just showing what happened. Um, yeah, they're very cryptic when they talk. So um, so that was, it was, you know, I only managed to do one panel, but it was a pretty good panel, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, the actor who played uh, Michael actually was there. So that was, well, was kind of cool. Um, and then they showed one of the Dharma, one of the missing Dharma tapes that they cut together for the Orchid, uh, the Orchid Room, the Orchid, uh, underground station. And, um, it had, uh, the doctor holding a rabbit with a number 15. Something kind of happened, you're not sure what really is going on, and then all of a sudden there's another rabbit, identical rabbit with number 15 on it. And people are kind of freaking out, so everyone was... Thanks very much for that, Kenny. Uh, sorry you got cut off. I do have a couple more pieces of that uh, phone call of Kenny's to play. It looks like the voicemail uh, for this uh, show that I set up, uh, 206-666-127, if you ever want to call in and uh, end up on the show probably. The voicemail looks like it has a five-minute time limit, so that's what happened, Kenny. I wasn't aware of that, or I would have told uh, or announced it before, told everyone but, yeah, it got, it cuts you off right at 4 minutes and 59 seconds, it looks like. So, sorry about that, Kenny. But thanks for that great report. Uh, really interesting stuff there at Comic-Con. And we'll listen to the rest of Kenny's uh, phone calls towards the end of the show. Okay, I've got one more uh, phone uh, entry to play. Another review from the Duffster. This is about a classic sci-fi novel called Ender's Game. So, listen to this. And after that, we'll be getting into the TOS episode. Hey, everyone. This is Duffster. And this is your science fiction book review. Today we're going to look at another one of my favorite science fiction books, Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Uh, this book was written in 1985 and uh, won both the Hugo and the Nebula Award. Um, it, this is just a great book. I, I, I actually have this as one of my top three books, science fiction books of all time. It's about a, a young boy called Ender Wigan. And uh, he gets recruited to help fight a, uh, a war against uh, these creatures called the Buggers. Well, they're called the Buggers for one reason. They kind of got a hive intellect and a hive mind, and they look like bugs. Um, Orson Scott Card does an incredible job. He's one of my favorite authors uh, of creating some really interesting characters. Not only Ender, but he has a sister called Valentine and a brother called Peter. And uh, Peter is, uh, wow, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a very nasty young boy. Anyway, this story kind of portrays how Ender gets recruited into this service. He, he goes to battle command school. Uh, really shows these people uh, a lot more than that, what they expected. Turns out to be an incredible strategist, commander, tactical commander, and uh, the whole the whole story just uh, is it, it, it's great. There's a couple sequels to this book. Xenocide, uh, uh, the, the Speaker for the Dead, the next book in the series, actually also won the Hugo Nebula the next year, and that's the first time that's ever been done. So uh, it definitely 
is well thought of by many, many people. And another good piece of information is it sounds like they're making a movie out of this, and they have a tentative date of 2008, so 2008 is, is looking like it's going to be a great year for movies, and especially if they can do this book right. So, um, anyway, Ender's Game, a great book. Definitely read it if you haven't read it before. Um, so this is Duster, and uh, of course I'm going to leave it to the following. Read more science fiction. Ta-ta! Thanks very much for that, Todd. Uh... As always, another great review of a very classic sci-fi tale, Ender's Game. Thanks very much, Duster, for sending that in. And now, without any further ado, we're going to get right into uh, the episode for this week, which I'm going to cover, uh, do a full commentary, kind of trying to um, streamline this podcast this week. I've got a lot of things to get to do to get ready for my trip to Taiwan tomorrow. So, without any further ado, let's get into the episode by any other name, from the second season of the original Star Trek series. Here we go. Yeah, beaming down to another planet, uh, another week, another planet to visit. No life form readings, Captain. Continuing scan. Well, somebody sent a distress call. No sign of the spaceship, no sign of debris. I am getting readings on small metallic objects, Captain. And we're about, uh, ship was I think roughly midway or so in the second here season here for this episode. But where are they? Everyone Captain, pretty well established with their characters. Now. Two human forms at bearing 300 Mark 7. Confirmed. Yeah, two uh, people coming towards landing party, of course. Uh, it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy landing party, along with a, a security guy and uh, I guess a yeoman uh, who's who seems to be uh, just there for. Well, you'll find out here in a few if you haven't seen this episode. I'm Captain in a while. James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. We came in answer to your distress call. It's very kind of you to respond so quickly, Captain. Now, you will surrender your ship to me. The uh, guest actor here is Warren Stevens, a very, very uh, good actor, uh, done a lot of movies and TV over the years. Now they've got these little belt devices with uh, little buttons on them, but basically it it freezes everyone in place. They can still move their eyes, but... I am Rojan Kelvin. I am your commander from this moment on. Any efforts to resist us? I always thought when they do this in movies and TV that, you know, kind of standing in place like that would be very, very difficult. And you will leave this galaxy forever. You humans must face the end of your existence as you have known it. Ah, where is Captain Kirk? I just heard that one before. But all jokes kind of aside, I do like this episode quite a bit, and I'll be discussing it, obviously, throughout the uh, final playing it in the background. Now, it is, uh, it's written by DC Fontana, who wrote uh, quite a great number of very, very good Star Trek episodes, usually involving Spock, things like uh, Journey to Babel, 
Uh, DC Fontana, one of the uh, best, I think, of the original series writers. It was from a story by Jerome Bixby originally, who also did some other writing for the show. The uh, director for this one is Mark Daniels. Mark Daniels did also uh, several Star Trek classic episodes. I think he did Doomsday Machine was another one that I really liked. Uh, really good uh, director, solid uh, solid work here, and uh, somebody that they called upon quite a few times throughout the original series. I was just thinking today uh, with this announcement about the movie coming, about that it's going to be set in the classic era. You know, they've never really done a movie. I'm getting a little off on a tangent, but they've never done a movie that showed the original series era with those ships and you know, those uh, different designs and costumes. It, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So back to the episode. A selective field that neutralizes nerve impulses to the voluntary muscles. We can control you at will. I will now release you. Hey. Captain. It's all right. Interesting. A neural field. Yes. Radiating from a central projector. What do you want? Your ship, Captain Kirk. It will serve us well in the long voyage that is to come. Voyage where? To your neighboring galaxy, which you call Andromeda. Andromeda? Why? It is our home. What brings you here? Now, uh, you know, it's not only great, vast, huge distances in space to go from stars to stars within the Milky Way galaxy, but to transverse the The space between galaxies would just be... Well, even in Star Trek's sorry, time with warp drive, is, already uh, is really pretty. Uh, you well, think they haven't cracked that uh, nut your yet. Impregnable. But while we've talked, they've kind of made these the uh, aliens in this. The Kelvins sort of have a pale appearance, Something especially Rojan, their the leader Warren Stevens, sort of has, has a, like he hasn't been on the sun a lot. Uh, and they also are all wearing these sort of uh, coveralls in, of one color, very. Uh, Kind of unisex, futuristic at the time in the 60s, probably thinking, except for these belts. Now they're, uh, they've got a couple of people that are zapping onto the Enterprise and taking control of different sections of it. Of course, they're, uh, you know, much more advanced than Starfleet people and the Federation, so they can do this pretty easily. Especially with these handy little buttons on their uh, belts that let them freeze everyone in place. This, uh, this episode is, is, you know, kind of follows a few of the classic Star Trek patterns. Uh, you know, you set up a, a bad guy, a bad group of people. They try to take control of the Enterprise, and they do, and then they have to solve the problem of, of what to do about them. And the thing I like about this episode that makes it, I think, a little more unique is is how they, how they handle these aliens and how they end up basically foiling their plot. Uh, they sort of use their, the human form that they've taken against them, but we'll talk about that more as we go. In order to produce velocities far beyond the reach of your science, the journey between galaxies will take less than 300 of your years. Fascinating. Intergalactic travel requiring only 300 years. That is a leap far beyond anything man has yet accomplished. I have to say the... Um, you made a voyage of 300 years? The drink years? Uh, for today is just straight up Pepsi our for me. No Gatorade. Um, I was up about 4.30 this we morning with our uh, new puppy, Kaylee. <laughs> just uh, a little aside there. Rico needs a little caffeine. I'm doing this in the afternoon on Saturday trying to, to your uh, ship? 
there is get an this energy sort of barrier polished off, of uh, edited before yes, again my trip tomorrow. We managed to break through it with great difficulty. Our ship was destroyed. By the way, for those that are interested, Kaylee's we doing very well. I swear she grows back. every day I see her. When I now, wake up, she looks bigger than the day before. We have the means to begin our journey back to Andromeda. Why use our vessel? Why not transmit a message to your galaxy? No form of transmission can penetrate the barrier. Roger. There's no reason to do this by force. Let's take your problem to the Federation. Research expeditions have cataloged hundreds of uninhabited planets in this galaxy suitable for colonization. We do not colonize. We conquer. We rule. There is no other way for us. In other words, the galaxy isn't big enough for both of us. The Federation Sound has a little bit foreign like the invasions there. before. Captain... You know, we can Star Trek, you, you never have any conflict if all the aliens they ran into were all happy-go-lucky, but I don't know who, I think it's several scientists and futurists like Carl Sagan, and maybe uh, I might be uh, overdoing this a little bit, but I've always felt that uh, if, if any kind of aliens or even we are able to ever travel to other stars, I just have a hard time believing that anyone advanced enough to do that would be just doing it to take over you know, other people or other planets or other things that they run into out there. I, the, the two just don't seem to go together for me. I don't, I don't know what everyone else out there listening to the podcast thinks about that, but I've always had trouble with the bad guys. I, You know, it just seems odd to me. You know, if you're advanced enough, you would think your intellect and your emotional level and everything like that would be to the point where, you know, you wouldn't need to do that. I mean, isn't isn't the space and the galaxies and the universe big enough for everyone? I don't know. It just seems funny sometimes to me. I seem to be getting off into tangents today. Sorry about that, everybody. They have such heightened senses. Now let's get back to the episode more. To feel, to hear, to smell. How do humans manage to exist in these fragile cases? Uh, this Since is a little bit of a setup of what's to come in the episode. Choice. They've taken human form. This isn't their natural At least form. We'll be away from all of this and they're having trouble openness. dealing with the, the feelings, the emotions, the senses that, us, that the human bodies they are uh, using right now outer space. that they've created to live in. Soon, yeah, you know, they're having trouble dealing with that. It's kind of like you know, if somebody was born and, and immediately became an adult, they would have a hard time dealing with their body, everything involved. Vibranium, but considerably more dense. I doubt even phaser fire could disturb its molecular yeah, The landing party has been sort of trapped in this uh, plastic cave. It looks uh, a lot shinier here on DVD than I remember it. Very good question. They're registered as human. No, doctor. More than that. They registered as perfect human life forms. I recall noting the readings were almost classic textbook responses. Most curious. Spock, what are the odds in such absolute duplication of life forms in another galaxy? The chances are very much against it. Captain, Captain. This security guy, this black guy here in the in this episode, African American. Don't seem to be them. They have the paralysis. He's he's really tall. Uh, I know uh, both Shatner and Nimoy are roughly six Central foot, give projector. or take. Yes. And this guy's a good few if inches taller than that. Put that out of operation. Them. We might have a chance, gentlemen. I'm constrained to point out we do not even know what this projector looks like. Those devices on the belts might indicate the source. And I, of the force I was referring to his possible. name was Shay, Lieutenant I would have Shay. To have one to examine. Never seen so again, of one, course, sir. and never seen before. If this I have episode. to rip one of the Kelvins apart to get it. Shay, you'll get your chance, but you'll do it under orders. Yes, sir. On an NER-7, you were able to trick the guard 
by a Vulcan mind probe. As I recall, Captain, I led him to believe we had escaped. Do you think you can do it again? I shall attempt it. Nice uh, of the usual Vulcan music here that they use whenever Spock does some kind of a mind melt thing. Leonard Nimoy just really, really is just excellent as Spock. I mean, he, he pulls it off just so well. It just fits, fits him like a glove. I heard some of the conference that they did for the movie, and, and he's really happy with the script. And somebody asked him, why is he doing the movie? And he said, well, it's, it's logical. Now Kalinda is, is running in. Kirk gives her a nice quick little chop to the neck, knocks her out. She's wearing this weird blue uh, type outfit, which, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure where they get these uh, alien outfits from. You all right? Yes, I will be all right, Captain. But we must hurry. They, did, they almost escaped, but they didn't quite make it. This cannot go unpunished. Hey, now. That one. Take him aside. Kalinda? The female. Captain... Go. As a leader, you realize the importance of discipline. I need you and these other son a little bit. Sorry, I wasn't coming. Those two are unnecessary. I'm responsible. Let them go. I think we're somewhat alike, Captain. Each of us cares less for his own safety than for the lives of his command. We feel pain when others suffer for our mistakes. Your punishment shall be to watch them die. Captain? Proceed, Hainar. This, this, uh, this is pretty severe, what happens in this part of this episode. They've got these, uh, again, these belt devices. They've got the, the two red shirts, basically, Shay and the Yeoman. Push the button and they they reduce them down to these like sort of uh, almost like a styrofoam looking I don't know what it is a dodecahedron how many sides these little things Bring have them to me uh, but it's it's reducing uh, the people down to their base elements which um, it's it's pretty nasty and then Rogan's holding this is the right essence now. of what they were the flesh and brain and what you call the personality distilled down into these compact shapes. Once crushed. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of nasty. This person is dead. Now, I've watched this episode... However, Probably d- at least dozens and dozens of times, literally, over the that years. That one can be restored. And I've, I've tried Ain't to I? follow this scene, and I just, I was distracted for a second, so I missed it again. But 
I've tried to really follow which one of these little um, things when they reduced the yeoman and Shea down. If they actually made a mistake here on which one gets crushed, if it's the yeoman or not, because the Shea is the one that's still alive and the yeoman is dead. Which is a little bit of a surprise. It's not the big tough security guy that gets killed. They killed off the woman, the yeoman, so that was a little nasty. But I, again, like I said, I... Work is proceeding on the Enterprise as my crew is forced to make the required changes in the ship for intergalactic travel. I can't forget the picture of Yeoman Thompson crushed to a handful of dust. Are you sure you're all right? If anyone out there listening to the show wants to send an email to treksf at gmail.com and clear that little thing up for me, I might have to watch that and slow it down or something. I was thrown away by something I've never experienced before. What was it? series of bizarre and exotic images bursting on my mind and consciousness colors shapes mathematical equations fused and blurred i've been attempting to isolate them but this so what, far uh, i've been able Spock to recall clearly and, uh, when he did his little mind thing to the to kalinda there immense try to make her think that they had escaped a hundred limbs which resembled tentacles Minds of such control and capacity that each limb is capable of performing a different function. You mean that's what the Kelvins really are? Undoubtedly. Well, if they look that way normally, why did they adapt themselves to our bodies? Perhaps practicality. They chose the Enterprise as the best vessel for the trip. Immense beings with a hundred tentacles would have difficulty with the turbo lift. We've got to stop them. We outnumber them. Their only hold in us is the uh, paralysis field. Well, that's enough. One wrong move and they jam all our neural circuits. Jam? Spock, if you reverse the circuits on McCoy's neuroanalyzer, can you set up a counter field to jam the paralysis projector? I'm dubious of the possibilities of success, Captain. The medical equipment is not designed to put out a great deal of power. I like how, uh, you know, burn out Kirk comes up with Is the ideas and then they have to figure out Small how to make him work. Uh, you know, that's that's why the, the, bones have to get the, up the three ship. of them, Spock, oh. Kirk, and McCoy, work so yes. well together. This part I like. There's a fun part here Mr. with the... Spock. You're sick. I assure you, Captain, I'm in perfect health. No, you're not. Dr. McCoy has given you a thorough examination, and you're ill. In fact, if you don't get to the sick bay, you're going to die. It's a good idea, Jim, but anyone looking at him can tell he's healthy. Vulcans have the ability to place themselves in a kind of trance. Complete relaxation. You see DC Fontana's influence. We find it more restful this episode, to the body a couple of Vulcan things vacation. slipped in here. This trance state that now? he puts himself into. Kind of like the Jedi uh, half an hour. do uh, in some it of the novels I've read, like prepare. Luke does when he needs to heal up. There we go with the Vulcan music again. Now Spock, uh, he uh, rolls his eyes in the back of his head. Now he's falling over. This is the classic, you're in, you're in prison. You want to make one of you look sick so the guards will jump. His heartbeat really is slow. His pulse is practically non-existent. Anar! Anar! This is funny, too, that... Hanar, Hanar, everyone says his name a little Mr. different this episode. The doctor thinks he may be dying. This illness came on him rather suddenly, is it not unusual? He's a Vulcan, they don't react like humans. 
He may die. If I can get him up to sickbay, there's a chance he'll live. Stand away from the door. I will have you beamed aboard. Well, I want to throw a, a little tidbit out uh, that I was going to say at another point, but as I'm through going through this episode, I don't know why it popped in my head, but there's a rumor going around they might do an HD version of the Next Generation episodes. Don't argue, nurse. Just get it. Just thought I'd throw that little tidbit out there. They may even include some new effects, so I'll keep everyone posted about that. Now they're back up on the Enterprise, of course. McCoy, Spock, and Sickbay. Nurse Chapel's the there. Point. Prepare another shot. Another one of the aliens named Please, Tomar. Nurse, just follow orders, will you? Who will become, uh, in a few, uh, Mr. Scott's drinking buddy, which is one of the best scenes of this episode and one of the probably most fun scenes in this season, even of the original series. There, that should do it. Just let him rest now. Yeah, this is one of the few times I'm noticing there, too, that they uh, it's a flare up of they have a, a sort of a, a cart that they bring Spock into sickbay on. You don't see a lot of these movable, portable gurneys no in, in Star Trek. Most of the time when somebody's in sickbay, they're just there. They're in one of the bio beds and getting looked at. You will stay here. But this is uh, one point, you know, where they had to wheel him in. What do you want from me now? We will beam aboard the vessel shortly. I wish you to understand your duties. My duty is to stop you in any way I can. You will obey. Or you will kill more of my people. Captain Kirk. I'm an interesting background kind of I noise here when they're on the planet. It sort of reminds me of uh, of my some of the background we noise that, have that a music they honor. played. Well, not really music, Harsh, but noises they played demanding. in Shore Leave and if other planets it calls for on. much from us. Even back, way back much in the Menagerie episode of the Cage pilot, they had that you kind of furious kind of... You know, it's I not respect really your devotion to your duty, but I cannot listen. permit it to interfere with mine. These are lovely. Captain now they have Kirk, a few bird noises, what is it too. you call them? Flowers. I don't know the variety. The memory tapes tell us of such things on Kelvin. Crystals that form with such rapidity, they seem to grow. They look like this fragile thing somewhat. We call them Sashir. A rose by any other name. Captain? A quote from a great human poet, Shakespeare. That which we call a rose by any other name. It smells sweet. And there you get the title of the episode slipped into the... Uh the actual uh, script, which I always like when they do that in, in different episodes. They don't do it a lot in Star Trek, but occasionally they do it. Uh, by any other name is the name of the episode. Increase speed to warp cool 11. quote there from Shakespeare. Increase speed to warp 11, Mr. Chicken. On course and proceeding as planned, we will approach the barrier within and Noticing out. that you don't see George well. Takei in this episode, uh, Mr. Sulu, they have one of the Kelvin uh, women uh, piloting the Enterprise. Chekhov's there on the bridge navigating. Oh, no. I'm going to sickbay. My first officer is taken ill. Yes, I was informed. You may go. Anything? Located the power source, Captain. It's installed in engineering. We're just going to jam it. 
I've tied in all the lab computers. That'll give it a bit more power to push with. It's a little bit uh, simple, you know, of how quickly and how easily the Kelvins uh, were able it. to infiltrate the Enterprise, take it over, adapt it to travel th- between uh, the Milky Way galaxy and Andromeda. It's the same as I discovered on the planet. Readings indicate it is impervious to any of our weapons. We cannot penetrate the casing to get to the machine. That's it, then. There is one other possibility, Mr. Scott. The final decision, of course, must be the captain's, but I believe we must have it ready for him. The Enterprise is propelled by matter-antimatter reactors. The barrier we must traverse is negative energy. I see what you're getting at. I can't say I like it. Nor I. But it must be made available to the captain. So they can't turn the device off because it's encased in this metal... uh but they can uh, come up with another alternative for Captain Kirk to possibly, well, you'll hear her here in a minute. Well, impossible, Captain. The power source is protected by a material we cannot breach, even with our phasers. Mr. Scott and I have prepared the means for the only logical alternative available to us. What alternative? The barrier we must penetrate is composed of negative energy. I have opened the control valves to the matter-antimatter nacelles. On your signal, I will flood them with positive energy. What? When we engage the barrier, the ship will explode. The Kelvins will be stopped here. And so will we. Are you mad? I can't just... Take your places, gentlemen. We're approaching the barrier. footage that they use in this episode is leftover barrier, you know, galaxy barrier crossing footage of this big pink reddish uh, barrier <laughs> in, uh, that was originally created for the second pilot where no man has gone before with the one with Gary Mitchell and where they try to cross the barrier at the edge of the galaxy. They didn't, uh, they didn't create any new footage for this episode. This is all stock footage from that previous episode from the first season which you know it's okay i'm curious Captain's if uh, if they remaster this one i don't think they've done by the any other name yet control of the if uh, they we did do where no man has gone before and some of the barrier galaxy. stuff that they showed Spock in that one was pretty cool a plan i wonder the if they'll create a few new shots for this episode and not just reuse the, the new shots that they created for by any other name as well sensors indicate density negative radiation negative Energy negative. My guess is that they probably will create a couple of new shots for this one. Especially since the Enterprise is sort of traveling at a different kind of speed, uh, that kind of stuff. Scotty's sitting here at, at his finger poised dial, over this blinking white button with the barrier. on the bridge, uh, you know, waiting for Captain Kirk. temperature rising, sir. Over 2,000 degrees now. Sir! Hold your position. Now, that's a very uh, important point there, I think. That always reminds me of Kirk and, and Wrath of Khan. He's talking to Lieutenant Savick, talking about uh, 
talking about that Kirk doesn't believe in the no-win scenario. He doesn't believe in the Kobayashi Maru. He always, Kirk has always believed that there is a way out of any situation. As long as they, you know, he's together with his crew, his friends, they can come up with something. And he's not ready to destroy the ship, blow everybody up around him in order to just stop the Kelvin. So, but as you'll find out in a second, it maybe wasn't much of a choice anyway. Instruments returning to normal, Captain. All decks report damage and casualties. Several systems out, sir. Operating on emergency backup, non-effect flight procedure. Life support systems sustaining on emergency. I'll have a full report on ship status for you in a moment, sir. Your people are most efficient, Captain. Thank you. So are yours. Inar, start the neutralizing operation. What neutralizing operation? You humans are troublesome for us. We needed you to get us through the barrier. But there aren't enough of us to efficiently guard all of you all of the time. Further, the food synthesizers cannot manufacture enough food for the entire journey. We are therefore neutralizing all non-essential personnel. No. The procedure is already underway. You know, why doesn't he just, like, smack this guy? Well, he eventually does in this episode, but... Drea? Kirk's being rather restrained, actually, for most of this until later on. We have no need for communication. This really uh, is kind of a nice, and neat since idea Drea here, the way they deal with the, the ship from extra on. personnel on the ship. And to keep it to just the main you've got uh, them reducing basically everyone but the principal characters and actors down to these little, little donut or whatever, uh, whatever number of size they have. Somebody, if anyone out there knows any more about that little prop, I'd like to hear about it, What they, how they made those, if they... If that's some kind of, uh, in the prop world, there are uh, found pieces, you know, in Star Wars and other TV and movies and things out there, they sometimes would use a, something you could find and somehow change it a little bit uh, in order to make something else a new prop. And I'm wondering if these little cubes that they changed everyone down into, they're not really cubes, but I wonder if that's an item that was available around the 60s. Now Kirk's walking through the corridors and Finding Do you not all these agree little, that this uh, is a better thing for them than white blobs the all over the floor with, with his uh, leftover personnel? We detected it, of course. Tomar has devised a mechanism to prevent any further tampering. Please accept your situation, Captain. It will make things much less painful for you. So there you hear that they did detect the idea that Scotty had in Spock about blowing up the Enterprise, and they had detected it. So Kirk probably couldn't have blown it up then anyway. Is this all? I have reviewed ship's personnel, Captain. It appears we four are the only ones the Kelvins consider essential. Scotty tells me that you could have destroyed the ship in the barrier. Why didn't you? I couldn't. If that was our only chance to stop I didn't think it was. Jim! Bones us enough! Jim, I saw them reduce four of my doctors and nurses into those little... They've reduced the whole crew! It's a neat scene here with uh, everyone. They're eating these I little... I don't understand very, why you take the trouble cues, to consume this 
which look like they're Don't all made out of Play-Doh. to uh, sustain yourselves. We have ascertained that these contain all the nutritional elements. Before you condemn it, why don't you try it? I believe I will. Assist me. Your idea, Doctor, go ahead. All right, I'll show you how to work the selector button. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Tomar here in his, uh, sort of, uh, pinkish, uh, colored, uh, unitard. He's complaining about the food synthesizers and eating even food. He's, he's got these pills that he says, hey, you can eat these pills and this will give you everything you need. And Dr. McCoy is, is giving him a tray of these cubes of, uh, well, these different colored cubes that they typically eat. Sir, why don't we try again to knock out the paralysis projector? I know the casing looks impenetrable, but I may be able to do something. Even if we could, it's out of the question. We need that projector to bring our people back to human form. Then how will we stop the Kelvins? Captain. If I could. I used to think sometimes... I'm delighted. ...that it would be kind of nice on certain days when I'm very busy for lunch or for dinner to be able to just pop a pill that would cover everything. Of course, you can take vitamins, but that doesn't really curious. give you all the nutrition you need. What is uh, but I, you know, there are some days it would be nice to reach in your pocket, pull out a pill, and have that Kalinda's cover mind, you from lunch to dinner on busy times. The Kelvins have superior intellectual capacity. To achieve it, they've apparently sacrificed anything which would tend to distract them. Perceptive senses such as taste, touch, smell, and, of course, emotions. But then Tomar shouldn't be enjoying the taste of his food. Yes, quite correct, Captain. But they have taken human form and are therefore having human reaction. Ah, that's very important. This is the big part of this uh, mm. episode, how they defeat them. He keeps reacting like that. He's going to need a diet. If they all respond to stimulation of the senses, then maybe we can distract them. They can't have been able to handle the senses yet. If we can confuse them enough... We can get those devices from their belts. That seems reasonable. All right. It may be our only chance. Look for any way to stimulate the senses. I can take a one-way right off. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> with Scotty. Lad, you're going to need something to wash that down with. Have you ever tried any Saurian brandy? That. Please articulate. Well, that body of yours is a bit anemic. Comes from taking food and pills instead of solid sustenance. Now McCoy's with Hanar, uh, one of Are the other Kelvins. High potency vitamin concentrate. You'll need three a day for a few days. And eat some solid food, will you? Now we're back to uh, Tomar and Scotty uh, in Scotty's quarters with some Saurian brandy. A nice dinkle uh, old bottle uh, no that they use for the bottles on the show. Am I disturbing you? What is it you wish? I wish to apologize. Ah, uh, now a classic uh, scene with Kirk and for one of the alien you know, alien that is not females necessary. that he uh, runs the into throughout his journey through the galaxy. 
Yes, well, I don't usually go around beating up beautiful women. Why not? Well, there are better things for men and women to do. Like what? Like what? Is this where I hit you? No, the other side. Better. Better? Was it intended as a remedy? This is. Now, I've got to say, if, if we don't see, some significance uh, to this if we don't see some of the young Kirk, uh, you know, either going after, uh, well, you know, a little. Uh, lab uh, person which will later on be his love. the mother of kirk's son david oh, or something going on in the movie you know where kirk goes after some girls i, I, I think we'll, it'll be a waste opportunity wasted opportunity they better see that all humans it's business of love you have devoted much literature to it why do you build such a mystique around a simple biological function we enjoy it. literature Belinda, I'm sorry I brought up the whole subject. Do you really regard this touching of the lips as pleasurable? I did. Curious. Let me try. Why do I have the urge to just yell at Denny Crane right here? <laughs> Is there some problem? Rojan just ju- jumped in and kind Not of like him the party in. a little bit. What did he want here? He came to apologize for hitting me. Apparently, it involves some peculiar touching contact. In what manner? Warren Stevens also uh, was in Forbidden Planet, classic sci-fi hey, movie from the 50s, young... and if you haven't seen it, you definitely have to check it out. Places. It's uh, it's pretty fun. I like it. Fathomable. But an interesting psychological study. Well, I do not understand this business of pressing with the lips to apologize. Now it's uh, now I we've got Rojan and Spock playing uh, tri-dimensional chess. Tw- this such apologies Excuse are me, usually sorry. exchanged between tri-dimensional chess in the rec room. Some affection for each other. Kalinda has no affection for Captain Kirk. Your game is off. Are yeah, Spock is pretty much crushing incident? him at chess here. Or should I be disturbed? You've known Kalinda for some time. She's a Kelvin, as you are. Among humans, I've found the symptoms you're displaying usually indicate jealousy. I have no reason for such a reaction. Kalinda's a female, nothing more. Captain Kirk seems to find her quite attractive. Well, of course she is. You are not jealous? No. Nor upset? Certainly not. Checkmate. (laughs) 
So they, you know, I like the way they edit it together. You get to show back and forth. I found this on uh, between all the scenes. Uh, uh, Gunner mirror at me. What is it? Well, it's um, it's green. Classic scene there with uh, with Scotty and Tomar going at it, and Scotty just not knowing what what he was well, pouring out there, thinking. just that it was green. Yes. I do not wish you to fraternize with any of the humans. Why not? Well, they... They offer such strange ideas. Yeah, that was a uh, direct, you know, remember in Relics jokes. from TNG, they Have sort of given repeated this order that to scene the with Data no. and Scott and I wish you to particularly avoid again, Captain so. Kirk. Nice little uh, homage they did not. then. You have told me over and over again, humans are no threat to us. We are superior. I will do as I please. You will do as I say. Or I will neutralize your Captain Kirk and all the other humans as well. That's working. He's got one guy jealous, one one alien in love, one alien drunk, and one alien pretty much uh, a hypochondriac. How many more of these? Well, now, let's see. You've had three shots. I think you better stay on them for a few days, and then we'll see how you're responding. I see no reason for you to refer to yourself in the plural. <laughs> ah, that's a good line. That's a good line. DC Fontana does a good job of writing these scripts. You have more? All I have is a bottle of very, very, very old scotch. Whiskey! Well, I will try it. I'll get it! <laughs> Scotty's quarters up nice. He's got a uh, some armor pieces around. Well, I the was saving you for what? Never mind. Here's your glass. The thing is, I can't tell if we're getting anywhere. And I haven't seen Scotty in hours. We haven't seen Tomar either. But my man Haynar is getting more irritable by the minute. I'm giving him shots of formazine. It should have him climbing the walls. Rojan has exhibited symptoms of jealousy. I would like to speak with you, Captain. Doctor, I'm due for another injection of stokoline. Hmm? Stokoline. Pardon us. So the um, you had something to say. You know the message here, yes. I guess, is if you're going to take human form, you this better practice with your uh, feelings and emotions function. before you try to take over yes. a, a starship. At least you realize by humans Captain are Kirk. overly preoccupied with the subject. Yes, we do think a great deal about them. I've done some supplemental reading on it, and. Uh, you have a question? Yes. I was wondering, would you please apologize to me again? This uh, Kalinda here, I, I, I gotta look up the actress's name, but she looks like she's about 17 years okay. old. I want to talk to you. Very well. Really, First, uh, I do not young, like the way responsibility and duty has been portioned out to us. It's the way your duties have always been That assigned. is my second quarrel with you. Haynar! Further, I do not care much for the way you run this ship. Haynar, confine yourself to your quarters. Things are falling apart a little bit. 
The one they didn't deal with very much is the one that's on the bridge. Uh, for some reason, I think uh, Drea is her name. For some reason, no one seemed to take it upon themselves to mess with her emotions or anything. It's not a question of defiance. We were told to find out everything we could about you. But how's the research going? I need some more experiments. Mr. Spock, you were not ordered to the bridge. What is your purpose here? Automatic sensors and various other recording devices require monitoring and periodic adjustments. Very well, proceed. Ah, yeah, sure they do. I'm noticing they still got the little module, you know, where uh, Uhura's chair is sitting there. I, I have you seen no Captain Kirk? Like, sets on it, or if you wish, or I shall call him to the bridge. Sets on it. No. Sits on it. I was wondering sits where he was. On it. I left him in the recreation room. I think if it was me and this had happened, he I would have alone. taken all those little no, modules Kalinda and carefully moved them somewhere she safe. Seemed anxious I mean, they, to speak they to They were him. lining the corridors on the floor. They're they're now still sitting in bridge chairs. It would appear, sir, that you have little control dangerous, especially if one little piece knocked Captain off Kirk or whatever would damage the person somehow. But I guess they wanted some continuity here, so they decided to leave them in place. It's, uh... Uh, now back to Scotty and Tomar. Very interesting. But I feel rather strange. Did it, you and me. Put him right under the table. Jimmy doing his great job here. He's barely able to walk. Love the music, uh, the Scottish. I'll take this to the they, captain. Uh, they've got uh, Scotty's quarters again. Bagpipes are hanging there. A kilt. Re- really did a good job there. Make it out the door. Galinda, I told you to avoid this human. I did not wish to. I am your commander. That's not enough, Rojan. You did this to her, corrupted her, turned her away from her. You can't keep her. That's not my problem. You will release her. Now we get some Kirk action here, finally. This uh, this fight here between Rojan and Kirk is, is pretty good, except that some of the stunt doubles are pretty easily seen, I think. Well, I was taking your woman away from you. You're jealous. You're trying to kill me with your bare hands. Would a killman do that? Would he have to? You're reacting with the emotions of a human. You are a human. Be. I'm stimulating him. Uh, 
You have no choice. To use this yeah, he's ship. He's got a pretty good lock now. Our form, and now you're stuck with it, you and your descendants for the next 300 years. Bodies and tools were really Look what's happened to you the short time you've been exposed to us. What do you think will happen in three centuries? When the ship gets to Kelva, the people on it will be human. They'll be aliens, enemies. Duty, our mission to accomplish any way we can. Your mission is to find new worlds for your people to live in. You can still do that. We can bring this problem to the Federation. There are many planets in this galaxy that can be inhabited. It's finally getting through to this guy. There's really lots of that? planets out there. We don't need to fight. You would extend welcome to invaders? No. But we would welcome friends. Rajan, you are only a link in a chain, following an order given 300 years ago. This is an opportunity for you to establish a destiny of your own. Perhaps, perhaps it could be done. A robot ship could be sent to Kelva with a Federation proposal. But if we retain this forum, where could we find a place? Seems to me that little planet you were on is kind of nice. You. Oh, there's an easy answer. You would wish to remain with him? He's most interesting, but I wish to go with you. I believe I owe you an apology. It's most pleasurable. Yes. Very curious. You see, Rojan. Being human does have certain advantages. Being able to appreciate the beauty of a flower or a woman. Bridge, this is Rojan. Yes, Commander. I'm returning command of the ship to Captain Kirk. You will follow his orders. Sir? Turn the ship around. We're going home. Another problem solved by the good crew of the Enterprise. By by sorry folks. By any other name, written by DC Fontana, second season TOS. Very cool episode, a lot of fun. And some good guest work there. Warren Seasons, Barbara Bouchot is Kalinda. That's the name. Okay, Barbara. Well, Barbara, you did a great job there with uh Denny Crane. No, I mean Captain Kirk, I'm sorry. A lot of fun. This episode, uh, I always enjoyed watching. You know, if I watching uh, in the old days when just reruns would pop up of Star Trek, if this one came on, I always knew it was going to be a fun time. You know, they they have a lot of serious stuff at the beginning, but then it gets a little lighthearted towards the end. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Trouble with Tribbles, that kind of a style. Uh, a few other second season episodes like this. They did a great job, though, and hands. Uh, Hat, hands, hands, hats off. Sorry, folks, the, that five, six hours of sleep is, is wearing thin right now. Actually, it was probably more like, yeah, four or five hours of sleep. So that is it for By Any Other Name. Hope you enjoyed that look at that classic episode. 
Right now, I'm going to take a break from talking, at least, and I'm going to play uh, the next couple of Kenny's calls, uh, the rest of his uh, Comic-Con report. Thanks again, Kenny, for sending those in, and I'll come back uh, with a brief final statement or two at the end after Kenny uh, is through with those to wrap up the show. So I'll be right back. Here's Kenny. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California, and I am live in San Diego from the San Diego International Comic Con. Um, I left a previous message and got cut off, but uh, that pretty much was my experience in the first day and the last panel. Uh, one more thing they did mention uh, on the last panel, that they are really, really going to try to do a Russo uh, flashback story. So hopefully they can flesh out her um, story more, but they say she plays an intricate part, and they don't want to give away too much. So it, if it doesn't make it this season, it'll probably definitely be the, the following season. Um, so that pretty much ended my first day, Thursday. For Friday, uh, I managed to get up early, and I went to the Warner Brothers panel, where um, they talked about several movies, uh, showed a few trailers. Um, the big ones that, that they talked about were one that was called One Miss Call, with Ed Burns and Shannon Sossaman. Um, both of those the actors were there. And, um, you know, the movie, it looks pretty much like The Ring. It's a, it's a classic, it's a remake from a Japanese movie. And um, it looked like The Ring, you know. Uh, it was about um, people who get phone calls on their cell phones, and if they don't answer it, it goes to their message machine, message. Um, and then when, when they listen to the message, they have like two to three days to live before they die. Something like that. Sounded like the ring to me. But um, that one was done. They talked about um, Get Smart, which was fantastic. They had um, uh, The Rock was there. Uh, um, Steve, uh, I think it's Carell, um, was there. And uh, Masioko, who plays Hero, um, he's actually in this movie, so he was there. Uh, and then two other of the actors were there. Um, it was very funny. They actually had a really cool, long trailer, um, which was a lot of fun. And uh, Steve said that he was playing uh, Maxwell Smart as, uh, like, the born character from the born identity, um, except he was just an idiot. So they wanted to be as real as possible, but um, he was just, you know, they wanted to be... True to life, but he was just somehow making it by the hair of his teeth. He's just being stupid and an idiot. So, but the previews look really good. Uh, a lot of explosions, not what you would expect from a comedy, but that was, uh, it looked really good. Um, and the, the cast was great. They were a lot of fun to talk to and, and funny. And the next one was a movie called Whiteout with Kate Beckinsale. Um, it's a Joe Silver uh, movie, and it's based on a graphic novel. And um, it looked good. I mean, they didn't really give too much away. They just finished shooting it, so it's uh, about something that's going on in Antarctica. And Kate, Bacon, uh, Kate, uh, Kate Beckinsale plays uh, a marshal, a U.S. marshal, and she's up there investigating mysterious murders. Um, and they mentioned aliens, and I'm not sure what else, but um, they didn't really, like I said, they didn't show much of it, and uh, the, 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 you know, the panel was really cool. Um, they showed a few more trailers. One was called for Trick or Treat. It looked like a really good horror movie. And um, then they started talking about Watchmen, 
which is uh, a graphic novel from the 80s. And I guess there's been a lot of controversy on getting it done, and, you know, this is one of those ones that never got off the ground. But this one actually looks like it's going to get off the ground. Um, it's going to actually premiere on 03, 06, 09. So um, we got a while to go on that one. They didn't have any footage. They brought two unknown actors out um, who really didn't talk during the during the whole panel. But um, but overall, it was a, it was a, it was a decent panel. You know, um, Get Smart I think was the best panel and group of people. Uh, after that, uh, I ran down to the dealer's room, which if you haven't been to the Comic Con, it's like two football field size. Uh, rooms. It's just huge, tons of stuff, and um, lots of things. We're you know we're giving things away for free. I comic book. I got uh, lots of buttons and some T-shirts and tons of pictures. Um, you know, there's always hundreds of people dressed up and loving all the attention when you take pictures of them. So that was a lot of fun. Um, the panel I did in the evening was Eureka, uh, and Actually, most of the cast was there. At least most of the main cast was there. Was there. They are hilarious. I don't think they actually talked about this. But as I was saying, the Eureka panel was a lot of fun. Huge line to get in. Um, it's great to see that uh, so many people love this uh, sci-fi show. Um, it was just a lot of fun. They were making wisecracks and telling you know anecdotes, and uh, they didn't really talk much about the second season, but um, it was just fun to watch them interact. You can tell they truly liked each other, um, which shows, I think, on screen. Um, so they just said we have some really cool stuff to look forward to for season two. Um, keep watching until there's a season three. They're actually they, they're just finishing up season two right now in production, so they're pretty much almost done, and we ju- we're only on the third episode. So, um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. That was a, a good way to end uh, the day. Um, in the evening, uh, just I just got back probably half hour ago. Um, I went and seen The Simpsons, so I thought I'd throw in a little mini review. Uh, the Simpsons movie. Um, it opened t- today on Friday, and um, if you're a Simpsons fan, you're gonna love the movie. It's a, it's just like a an oversized episode, you know. Except there's a little bit of you know adult theme in it, which uh, is very funny. Um, all the characters are in it, so it's, it's not just, you know, I I wasn't, wasn't sure if it was going to be, like, bits and pieces, you know, stuck together to make a, a, a movie. Um, it's one continuous story. It's very cool. Uh, I thought it was well-written and, you know, well thought out. It just wasn't thrown together. Um, it was very enjoyable, and if you get a chance, definitely check it out. And I think that's going to be it for day two at the Comic-Con. Um, tomorrow is a big day, that's Saturday. I'm going to be doing uh, the Bionic Woman. They're going to do the pilot, preview the pilot. Um, and then I'm doing um, Heroes, season two. And then I'm doing, after the Heroes, is um, Battlestar Galactica and then Joss Whedon. So I'll be pretty much, I'm going to be in a room from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., so hopefully I'll be able to call back and give you a little review on that. Um, and I guess that's it. So this is Kenny from California, and I'm signing off live from San Diego International Comic Con. Take care, guys. 
Well, thanks very much, Kenny, for that very uh, detailed and uh, sorry again about the you know, the cutting off on the voicemails. I didn't realize they had that five-minute time limit, but thanks for the detailed reports from Comic-Con. Sounds like some very cool panels to be able to go to, Kenny. Uh, one one of these years, I will make it. I, this is a, a public promise. I will make it out to Comic-Con, and I am going to go to um, Star Trek Vegas convention that they have every August. Unfortunately, lately, it seems like I'm traveling so much for work, which brings me to my final word for this week's podcast. I am heading, flying off uh, in the afternoon tomorrow to Taiwan for approximately 10 days. But we will have a podcast next weekend. We have something special for everyone. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say it has uh, uh, some other people from the forums were involved in this little production. So I'll just leave it at that. So I think uh, everyone's going to enjoy that. Actually, I've got to prep it with some intros and stuff after I'm done with this and get it ready so I can upload it and have it ready to go next weekend for next weekend's podcast. And that should just about wrap it up. Kenny, please still send in those reports on Comic-Con. I'll try to include those on the show when I get back uh, from Taiwan, which will be, uh, well, there will be the special podcast tomorrow, or tomorrow, excuse me, next weekend. And in two weeks, we will have, I will be back in the saddle, so to speak, with a regular podcast uh, two weeks from now. Until then, everyone, have a good time. I'm going to have some fun in Taiwan. Check out the forums, treksf.com. Click on the forum links. Join up and sign up today and participate in the RPG game and all that fun. I also want to mention that uh, when I'm on these trips to Taiwan, I tend to post uh, a lot of things on the forums, pictures, you know, weird foods that I eat over there and things that I see. So check out the forums at treksf.com. I think you'll enjoy it. got a lot of great people there. And until next time, I'm about to go uh, do some more laundry and pack a little bit and get ready for my trip. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.